Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hour number two of the show, live from the Akchin Community Studios. Cardinals getting set to take on Minnesota on Sunday, facing one of the few teams, Wolf, that has one loss or less. So a... Uh, quite the task in front of the Cardinals as they try and right the ship and get back to 500. They're going to have to go on the road into Minnesota and beat the 5-1 and one Vikings. So it is Wednesday. Let's get to What Will Wolf Watch? What Will Wolf Watch? The Battle of Ed Donatel. Ooh, imagine dragons really. The Battle of Eddington was fought in the spring of 878 A.D. It took place near Eddington in Wiltshire, England. The battle was fought between the great heathen army of the Vikings and the Wessex troops under Alfred the Great. The Battle of Big Red and the Minnesota Vikings will occur in the fall of 2022 A.D. The Cardinals have not won a football game in Minnesota since the fall of 1977. History matters. Oh, it matters. Isn't that right, Ed Donatel? The defensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings has a wealth of experience and yet has zero exposure to Cliff Kingsbury, Kyla Murray, and the Passapartout, DeAndre Hopkins. While the Cardinals auditioned their nuke offense against the New Orleans Saints in front of a grateful nation Thursday night, they won't be a vanilla team for the Minnesota Vikings by any stretch of the imagination. Speaking of, Guthrum led the heathen army. He had been playing plundering the countryside and was previously victorious in the Battle of York, the Norsemen kept it simple, living off the plunder while growing stronger. And Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals need to plunder the Vikings secondary with a full passing tree and still keeping it simple. The Purple People Eaters get pressure on a quarterback off the edge, but often lose the battle in coverage. Donatel plays a lot of zone, but has been brutalized while doing so. The Vikings are number 28 in passing yards per game allowed and number 32 in passing yards per play allowed. Although they are in the top 10 in sacks per attempt, if Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith don't get home, receivers often run away. Guthrum's army could not run away. The Vikings threw themselves against the Wessex forces of Alfred the Great in a decisive battle and were soundly defeated. One historian described the battle in detail. Fighting ferociously, forming a dense shield wall against the whole army of the pagans and striving long and bravely. At last, he, Alfred, gained the victory. He overthrew the pagans with a great slaughter and smiting the fugitives, he pursued them as far as the fortress. Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray must pursue their passing attack as far as Nuke can take them. Harrison Smith, Cameron Bynum, Cameron Danzler Sr., and Patrick Peterson have allowed offenses to smoke them like the Vikings smoked villages. And now... (laughs) 
after Alfred the Great's victory, when the Vikings had taken refuge in a fortress, the West Saxons removed all the food that the Danes might be able to capture in a sortie and waited. After two weeks, the hungry Danes sued for peace, giving Alfred preliminary hostages and solemn oaths that they would leave his kingdom immediately. Kyler Murray and the Cardinals need to make a solemn oath. Beat Minnesota. The Cardinals' offense is less predictable with D-Hop in the fold. The mighty needs to start spreading the ball the way he did in the first half of 2021 while taking shots downfield to Robbie Anderson and DeAndre Hopkins. Finally, as part of the peace treaty, the Vikings leader Guthrum agreed to be baptized and convert to Christianity. Although Kyler would applaud Guthrum, he needs to attack at Donatel's game plan with weapons, receivers, schemes, and darts. After all, it's time for Kyler the Great to outthink Ed Donatel. It's the Battle of Eddington, apparently. All over again. The team that actually throws the ball better will probably win this game. Haven't really had that game where Kyler takes over from start to finish this season. We saw it at times last year. I know he had the Raiders game this year, and the second half was unbelievable, and, and you know you can't take that away from him. But we haven't had that game where it's like, oh yeah, Kyler went out there and he threw four touchdowns and he ran for another one and he had 335 yards. Like we just we haven't had that game yet this season. This would be a good week to have it for all the reasons you just said. And I, I keep coming back to this too, Wolf. Minnesota just they at least from what we have seen so far, they are not a team that you beat seventeen to thirteen yeah. or fourteen to ten. This is a team you're I'll going to it. have to uh, yeah, <laughs> hey, do it. Go I'll ahead. Take it, Luke. Soul. Hundred percent. Right now. Uh, but they are a team. I mean it is Kirk Cousins. Could you would you really be shocked if he threw one to Byron Murphy and maybe no. threw another one? But they just they are a team that you beat thirty one to twenty seven or maybe even higher. Yeah, you know, so much of what they do offensively appears to be right in the middle of the pack for the most part. And and that's amazing to me because that's Kirk Cousins to me. I think of him being right in the middle of the pack. I don't think of him being in the top third in the league in quarterbacks. And I I think he's got a serious issue with some pressure pack games. But I think he's right in the middle of the road. What well, was that? The, the reality is he. this is the sort of game... That he would play better in. So you got, I mean, there's, there's very little pressure on Minnesota right now. Five and one at home. The only team even close to them in the division is falling apart in Green Bay. And they're not close to him right now. They're two and a half games back. This is when Kirk Cousins, because I agree with you, he is a, he's basically league average. Some weeks he's terrible. Some weeks he's amazing. What happened over there? What's going Nothing. on? Nothing. It was just really <laughs> weird. You didn't hear that. No, I didn't hear anything. I was speaking. Okay. Interesting. Continue, Luke. I'm just going to go to break now. Okay, please.
Please do. Uh, all right. The Eagles just announced they're returning to the Footprint Center March 1st, 2023 for the Hotel California 2023 tour. Tickets go on sale this Friday at 10. But you can win a pair now by visiting the contest page on ArizonaSports.com. We come back. DeAndre Ayton said last night felt like game one of a best of seven. He was right. So how were the Suns? Bigs able to set the tone in this one. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Suns win it last night, 134-105. What was the score at halftime? 72-66? to 66? Correct. <laughs> Two teams that, that do pride themselves on their defense. That's what will push you over the top in the NBA. Everybody thinks about the Warriors and Steph Curry and Klay Thompson hitting shots, and now all these new guys they have that can score too. But you win the titles with that plus defense, which is what the Suns are trying to do as well. But last night, <laughs> first half especially, it was just it was an offense of display in that first half last night Wolf DeAndre Ayton had a double-double in the first half yeah and then he finished the game with 16 points and 14 rebounds which is fine except he at halftime I want to say he had like 12 and 11 11 and 12 I mean he was he didn't yeah didn't do a whole lot in the second half no, he, he didn't. And, of course, um, even though he had five fouls, once again, <laughs> he had five fouls. I thought in the second half, he got a little um, got a little soft. I, I, I don't know how else to actually say it. I, he didn't play with a lot of intent. And you hear me talk about this all the time, but um, it was noticeable to me. And it was very interesting. Yeah, the Suns built a 20-point lead, uh, 22, I think, they were up. That was the biggest lead they may have had in this game. But, um, you know, uh, when, you, when you think about it, yeah, they blew them out at the end of it. But um, this game was contested. They got it back to 12 points in the fourth quarter and suddenly you thought to yourself oh my goodness here we go the warriors are going to come back and and make this a finish and before you knew it you had jock landell actually out there on the floor and not deandre ayton jock landell was a plus 27 in this game da was a plus two now read into that what you will because we've already heard from chris paul and devin booker today both saying there's a point of emphasis on starting these games strong and deandre ayton was a major part of them starting this game strong yesterday but they like jock landale he is not like some guy that's going to be playing eight minutes in mop-up time he played 22 minutes against the warriors last night and he was a plus 27 i want to get to some of this da audio from after the game uh, because he was impactful in the first half and you're right in the second half Maybe it was the fouls. Maybe it was just the tone of the game, whatever. But he had this to say about physicality against Golden State afterwards. The defensive end, we was talking, and, you know, we we actually, you know, set the tone of the, the legal, you know, physical limit, you know, in that game. And I want to say, like, really, like, we did to get on their nerves, but it got to them. And... You know, teams don't like that when you keep hitting, you know, hitting people and over and over, especially to the legal limit. People get frustrated and they complain to us, and the game got a little junky, but we stayed here, and I was really proud of that. That shows a lot of growth because last year I think we would have kept going back and forth throughout that 
throughout that game right there. That was one of those games where them dudes wanted us to go back and forth with, with baskets, and they'll end up taking over the game later in the long stretch. So we definitely put them away. Yeah, you know, that that to me was it once again. They did pad their lead. They they did after um, the half. That third quarter was decisive. They outscored the Warriors 33-20 to in that third quarter, and that's where it got totally sideways for the most part on the Warriors. But um, they did come back. They were making a run, and suddenly there's Jock Landell once again out on the floor, and DeAndre Ayton was not. Did anyone else see that and think, oh, my goodness, what is going on there? So this is how I saw it one game. I didn't see it last night as a slight on D.A. I saw it as a the Suns have a backup center. And and Monty Williams has clearly believed in him from day one. Here's Monty after the game. I mean, throughout the game, I thought D.A. and Jock, um, if you look at their combined numbers, that, that was something that we talked about at the end because that, that was um, an area where we feel like we have to grow. When teams switch on to D.A. and Jock and Dario and Biz, we got to make them pay for that. And at the beginning of the game, if you'd have told me we'd come anywhere close to those types of numbers for those two guys, we played, uh, we would have been pretty satisfied with that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I thought Monty, what he did, the first thing I thought of when I saw Landell out there was... Now we know why Monty sat Chris Paul at closing time of the Mavericks game <laughs> in game one. That was the first thing I thought of. Now, now we know why he did it. Uh, I think Monty was setting up the possibility of sitting D.A. down and letting Landell finish a game sooner as opposed to later. And maybe it was this right here, what we saw. Yeah, listen, I know D.A. had five fouls. I know that he did. But the the Warriors cut it to 12. They cut it to 12, man. You never feel safe against the Warriors unless you're up by like 20 with five minutes to go. Uh, I thought it was, wow, that's profound, man. Even though I know D.A. had five fouls once again, um, if I'm DeAndre Ayton, I'm not really happy about that. Unless, of course, you could point to the fact that, well, we sat Chris Paul in game one of a grudge game against the Dallas Mavericks in what we all would consider to be a big game, game one of the season. You sat Chris Paul in crunch time, and Chris Paul seemed to be okay with it. As as okay as Chris Paul is going to be with it. As a coach, if you can sit Chris Paul in clutch time, when you're talking about one of the best clutch players ever, hey, D.A., you know what? Sit down and shut it when we put in Landell. Well, it's the whole thing when, you know, when like Bruce Arians, coaching the Cardinals. Well, if he can call out Larry Fitzgerald, he Tell can call him, out everybody. Great example. And he obviously looked at Tampa and called out Tom Brady after the very first game. But, but you get the point. If, if you can sit Chris Paul, like I don't know if these two things are connected, but we're not talking like months apart. We're talking six days apart, five days apart. Um, I think that they speak to a bigger tone around this team this year. Whatever, you, like I said last week, Monty's just, he's like no nonsense Monty this year. Whatever totally. it is, there is just this. Totally. <laughs> totally. There is this sense of like, okay, you know what? You can, if you got to sit, you got to sit. Whatever is going to get us a win. I heard it that time. I sounded like a robot. Okay, Did you yeah, hear that? Right. Yeah. We're, we're going into like robot mode. Right. Um, no, there's, there's this, uh, there's this sense around this team and it just no nonsense to me seems to be the best way to. To describe it, at least right now, of in game one against the team that humiliated you last year and ended your season, 
we're going to sit Chris Paul at the end of the game because campaign gives us a better chance to win last night or whenever. If DeAndre Ayton's not giving them what they want, I feel like in years past, there was always the debate of maybe you should be getting him more involved or maybe you should just be sitting him. I think we are seeing at times them getting him more involved, but if he's not producing, they'll just sit him. I think that goes across the board. I don't think that's special treatment for any player this year. Look, if you go back and you look at that second, you look at that second half in particular, just watch D.A. Um, I think it's one of the reasons why Monty sat a man with six minutes to go in that game. I, I This is what I'm talking about. I, I think he chose to sit him down because you could see D.A. putting the ball on the on the floor right underneath the basket when he didn't have to do it. He brings the ball down all the time, and twice it bit him in the butt. Yeah. Twice. It bit it. He brings it down once he tried to put it on the floor, and they came up with a steal. The other time, he brought the ball down, and again, it was knocked out of his hand. He didn't try to dribble it. He just brought it. To, he's got a bad habit. He's, he's this guy that is so long and so should be so vertical. How he would ever bring the ball down when he's right under the basket, it's something that I don't know if he'll ever get out of habit of doing that, but... Right now, it is habit, and I think it was what got him on the bench. Oh, you know, we're going to just try to go with Jock Landau right here. We're going to go with him and let him finish. Uh, and I saw a little exchange between Monty and DeAndre Ayton uh, when he came out my, of the my, game. My first thought was, oh, that's internal. We're never going to know. Oh, yeah, and it, it wasn't Where's like it was. Wayne? It, no, yeah, I know. It wasn't a big deal. It wasn't a big deal. It wasn't some, but it looked like. D.A. wanted some type of explanation as to what was going on. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like last year, as much as I enjoyed it, it was a lot of, hey, it's all fun and games, you know, and, and everybody's happy. And everything. And, and that's maybe not the way you need to be to, we, to win an NBA title. Either way, the Suns seem to be approaching it a little bit differently this year. Not that you have to be miserable. They're clearly, yeah. I mean, it's fun to beat Golden State by 29. It just seems like a more business-like approach. Not that it wasn't last year. I just, I keep coming back to no nonsense. You know, last year, maybe it was, okay, well, I don't want to sit DAs, you know, trying to work for a contract. And he had five fouls, so maybe that was part of it, too. But um, this year, it's just like, whatever it takes to win. Yeah. We need to win. We should have won a title last year, probably. Whatever it takes to win. You know, for me, if you're paying a guy $133 million, And suddenly they cut the opposing team, especially the Warriors, the defending champions. They cut the lead to 12 with six minutes to go. You got a game. You have a game going on. You're going to sit down the guy you just paid $133 million? He's not going to close out the... Well, yeah, we did it to Chris Paul. We set a precedent. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. All right, how about this, Wolf, when we come back? How important is it for the Cardinals to keep that run game going? Well, we're going to ask NFL legend, former Cardinals running back Chris Johnson. CJ2K joins us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, welcome back to the show. Switching gears over to football. Wolf, this will be a 
fun segment here talking to a potential Hall of Famer. Ooh. He's a first-time Hall of Fame nominee. You remember him on the Cardinals. I'm sure you remember him on the Titans, too. He did have a 2,000-yard rushing season back in uh, 2009. CJ2K. CJ2K. Chris Johnson is joining us on the Arizona Sports Line. Chris, how's it going, man? How you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing? Doing good. Okay, so when you hear, you know, first-time Hall of Fame nominee, you obviously put in the work. You had a great career. What does that mean to you? Um, it means a whole lot. Um, you know, any time playing this game or any type of game, you want to be one of the best there is and get, like, the highest accomplishment. And, you know, Hall of Fame, that's the highest you can get in this league. And, you know, that's something that I work hard for. Um, blood, sweat, and tears, and, you know, left it all out there on the floor for it. So, Chris, when you think of the game of football in the year 2022 of our Lord, what do you think of? What, what, what do you think about the state of the game of football? The state of it? Like, as far as what? Like, the aggressiveness, the, the new hit and rules, or like, like what? Yeah, just overall, the direction of the game of football, where, it, where it's been recently and where it's headed right now. Um, I think we're going in a great direction. Like, you know, back when we played, you know, we had the tour days where we um, hit and swipe the day four pads and stuff like that. I, and, and I just think these days they care a lot more about our body, making sure we are healthy, making sure we don't have any chair injuries and all that stuff. So, like, I feel like they care more about us as players these days. Um, and I like how they, you know, they spin a big head or whatever like that. They stop it, making sure the players are right, checking their heads, checking everything. So um, I think it's going in a great direction. So, Chris, in regard to how they use running backs in today's NFL, um, do you think you would have fit in nicely in today's NFL, the schemes are running offensively? Yeah. I think I'm feeling great, like, and the way that they're using backs these days and stuff like that, like, I know I was a couple guys that probably before me that, you know, they tried to use them like this or like that or whatever like that, but until I came around and I did what I did, then that's when, I feel like that's when they started making my type of back every down back, because before... Before I came in there, what I did, you had to be 225, 230 pounds just to be considered a first-round running back or considered an every-down running back. Now, you look at it these days, look at the Green Bay situation. Aaron Jones is the smaller back, which is he's an every-down back. And um, the other guy that they bring in, um, damn, what's his name? Dillon. Yeah. A.J. Dillon, he's a big guy. He's probably 260. 260 pounds, and he's like the third down back. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it done switched totally all the way around, and they want a guy that they can be in there three downs. They can do everything on third down. They don't have to come out the game. They can use them in the pass game, throwing the ball, all those different type of things. And I think I was the guy that switched that. Talking to Chris Johnson. So, Chris, and you just gave the Green Bay example. Are there other running backs you look around the league and you're like, okay, that guy plays like Chris Johnson? Like, which running backs do you like to watch in 2022? Um, Saquon Barkley, um, 
he's doing real good right now. Uh, I always liked his game. It was just him uh, having to stay um, healthy or whatever. I like him. I like Alvin Kamara. Um, Dalvin Cook, all those guys got 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 hit. Derrick Henry, um, and those guys are just kind of that in that same type of style where you gonna throw them throw them the ball out of the backfield, and also they gonna run run the ball in the early down. What about the teams, Chris? What teams do you look at, and what teams do you like right now in the AFC and the NFC? Um, right now, wow, I like the Titans. Um, I like the Giants. The Giants are doing real good right now. Also, um, a team that I think got a chance that is a real Super Bowl contender at this point is the Buffalo Bills. Talking to Chris Johnson. Chris, uh, you're up for the Hall of Fame. You're a first-time Hall of Fame nominee. Now, there's the fan vote. There's the fan vote deadline uh, coming up on November 11th. So you want to get the word out. I mean, I think your game spoke for itself, but what would you want to say to, to fans that are going to be voting? Man, just, you know, I, like I say, I feel like I changed the game. All the great, all the running backs, the top running backs that they're looking at these great days, I feel like I paved the way and they're running these type of offensive schemes and stuff for these guys. And not only that, when we talk about the number one home run hitter in NFL history, is no other than myself. I, I don't know what other guy that you can put up there with me or any of that. Like, I don't know. Ain't nobody else that can put up me that say the number one home run history and I say who to be like, you know, that's just what it is. So just want them to look at that and just look at, you know, the, all the things that I have done. Uh, talking to Chris Johnson. Chris, I want to make sure we get this in before we let you go. Smash and Dash, the podcast you're doing with Lendale White. Obviously, you know Lendale pretty well. What can you tell us about the podcast? Man, the podcast, you know, is just crazy, man. You know, we're just um, going out there talking about all types of topics, not just football. It's lifestyle. So, you know, we're hitting on everything. You know, Lendale, he's already got a great personality, you know what I'm saying? So just us matching, coming together, meeting from when we were, when we were standing together, smashing ass, now we were doing it in the podcast world. Hey, Chris, thanks for your time, man. God bless you, buddy. Talk to you later. Thank you. Thanks a lot. That's Chris Johnson joining us on the Arizona Sports Line. Yeah, the Smash and Dash podcast uh, every Tuesday on the Believe Network. You look at some of his career numbers, Wolf, and, and he said it right there. He feels like he changed the game. I mean, to a certain extent, he's kind of right. There's not, there wasn't, yeah. you know, to, to be a little bit of a smaller running back. And there was a time, we're talking about this during the break, where it was him and Adrian Peterson. Like, those were the two running backs in the league, which is crazy because I think Adrian Peterson is still somewhere in the league, isn't yeah. he? Uh, but it was. It was it was Chris Johnson and Adrian Peterson at the top of everybody's list of running backs for a good three, four, five years there. Yeah, it's amazing because when I think of Chris Johnson, I think of a guy that could step right in in the year 2022 right now for any football team um, and bring the talent, the skills that he was given. And he'd fit in any scheme today. He'd be able to do it. Not a problem at all. As a matter of fact, he'd fit better, I think. His size, he was not big. 
but the skill set that he had. Um, well, it was interesting. He brought up that Green Bay example that you always like to talk about with A.J. Dillon. Yeah. The other side of it. Yeah, no, the other side of it. Absolutely. But once again, um, the NFL has really changed in five years. When you stop and think of these five years, the way that it is, the pendulum has swung to the new offense, the new era of offense in the NFL. And I think it's starting to actually come back now towards the middle. But um Chris Johnson, he could have played today. He could go. You take his skill set, insert it into any offense today, and it'd be lights out. Saquon Barkley too, without hesitation, the running back. He's yeah, watching. I know. Yeah, he likes, is, and he likes the Giants as well. Overall, well, I mean, they are six and one. <laughs> like I, I, I keep waiting for the wheels to fall off. But as long as Saquon Barkley is healthy, I, I don't know that they're going to. Brian Dable and Saquon Barkley. Apparently, that's all you need to go six and one. Uh, join Kona Big Wave this Sunday for a Red Sea Road Rally. As the Cardinals take on the Minnesota Vikings. Enjoy great prizes, ticket giveaways, and food specials all game long this Sunday at Philly off Priest Drive in Tempe. We come back. Chris Paul came out draining threes in the first half of the Suns' win over Golden State last night. So is the point god back. We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Thanks, Chris Johnson, for joining us last segment. Wolf, we go from uh, CJ2K to CP3, who, again, talked about this yesterday. It's not like he looked bad the first few games, but the offense almost looked like it was intentionally absent from Chris Paul the first few games. And I know it wasn't, but he he wasn't hitting Are you sure about that? Because Uh, I don't honestly think... um, that's a true statement to me. I, I you think they were purposely? I think they're trying. They know they've got to work something else into the equation. They have to give other people the opportunity to do something. And I, I think Chris Paul was deferring to his teammates, trying to get them to step up in crunch time and take shots that he was letting pass. Well, either way, last night he started hitting shots. Four of five from three, five of uh, ten overall, 16 points, nine assists, seven rebounds. That's looking a lot more like the CP3 we know. It's double-digit points, doesn't really miss a ton of shots, and is hanging out right around the triple-double. He was right at the center of the Suns, beating Golden State by 29 last night, and played 35 minutes that's the other thing. You would think a game against the Warriors, like all your starters had to play 42 minutes to beat them, and Chris Paul played 35. It's a long season. Uh, I think a lot of Suns fans, if you have any sort of reservations about this team or concerns, it's the depth, right? I will say this, and that was my biggest concern coming into the season. I like what I see out of Jock Landale so far. I really do. It's hard not to. <laughs> Let's see, D.A. was plus two in the plus minus, I'm just saying, and Jock Landell was plus 27. The only player with a higher plus minus than Jock Landale last night was Devin Booker, plus Devin 32. Booker. Think about that. Okay, that just, um, once again, I do believe the Phoenix Suns know they've got something in Jock Landell. 
they've got something that they really, really like. Because I think he fits specifically what they're trying yes. to do. Like, there's a reason Monty Williams likes this guy and has not hesitated to go to him because he fits specifically what Monty Williams needs. So if you tell me Jock Landale is starting this season on Orlando, I don't know that he's having this this uh, start. And it's not like he's been amazing, but 17-7 and seven last night, a plus 27, a couple blocks, uh, hit a three. Hey, listen, um, it wasn't just the fact he hit a three. He took four threes. Not afraid. A big man taking threes and hitting them. Exactly right. And, oh, by the way, Chris Paul was the one feeding him. Yeah. That, that too, is something that I was thinking to myself, oh, my goodness, look, Chris Paul's out there and the confidence he was showing in Jock Landau. Hey, you know what? Let this guy, we know what he can do. We see him in practice all the time hitting these threes. We got to get him involved. That if if you tell me that Jock Landell can go out there and play the way that we saw him play and compete last night and hit threes, oh my goodness. There's a reason why. There's a reason why Monty Williams left him on the floor to close out that game. I think what you said about Chris Paul is especially important too, because you know how this group is. We talked about this a lot last season. How if you're gonna be a new guy on this team, you either fit in in this locker room or you don't. And if you don't, you're not going to be here, basically. They, they are so careful about making sure they have that team chemistry. And if Chris Paul, four games into the season, is like, hey, Jock's open. I'm getting him the ball. It's Chris Paul. It's <laughs> one of the That's best right. ball distributors yeah. in NBA history. You think that would give you some confidence of your Landau? Yeah. Yes. And, and he played well. And uh, nobody's sitting here saying Jock Landale is going to be the the reason the Suns win the NBA title, but they need depth on the, and, they. Need and depth right now. They kind of it feels like they're sort of trying to build that depth, and and he looks like he's growing through the first week of the season. You know, and speaking of growing as well, I love the fact this kid is six eleven, and he's two hundred fifty five pounds. Jock Landale is not some withering lily out there on the floor. This guy has got some mass to him, and he uses it as well. This is, this is a guy who's going to get, hey, Jack Landell is going to get more minutes, Ron Wolfley reporting. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to get more minutes. And I, I wonder, I wonder, once again, the fact that DeAndre, and I know he had five fouls, I understand. I don't care. It was a 12-point game. The Warriors were coming back. Hey, D.A., you know what? Go out there and give us what you can. Try not following no, no, out, okay? You, give us what you can until you get the sixth until, foul. Until yeah. you get the sixth foul. Go ahead yeah. and do that. That's not what they did. They sat him down and said, hey, Jock, um, can you close this game out for us, please? At the five. Thank you. His minutes have gone 10, 14, 17, 22 through the first four games. <laughs> now, I don't know say how high again. they're going to climb, Will you please say 10 that? against Dallas, 14 against Portland, 17 against the Clippers, 22 against the Warriors. Man, Luke, there's something there, isn't it? That is that is an increase. Now, the other... <laughs> thank you for the <laughs> I, I, math lessons with, uh, with I Wolf. Know, I'm just saying, man, there, there's something to this kid. And you know the Phoenix Suns know it, and they believe in it, and they're going to totally... Nurture it. Well, the other component to last night's game, if you were watching on TV, on TNT, Chris Haynes, this is about the third quarter. It was funny as he was talking about this, the sun started to pull away. Talked about Jay Crowder and gave this update. Well, obviously he has been sent home. They were supposed to, both sides, his his agent and the, the Suns, they thought they were going to come to an agreement on a trade before the season started. 
and things have been prolonged. So right now, he is sitting away from the team right now. And I talked to him a, a little bit to this point. Um, he's, we're going to talk a little bit later. So hopefully I have some updates on his situation. But for right now, what he told me is that he's playing every day. He's in, his, in the best shape possible of his career. And he's just ready to get back out there on the court. So right now, it's just really up to the Phoenix Suns to try to find the best deal that they feel that's going to fit to be able to acquire the service of somebody like a two-way player such as Jay Crowder. You know, for me right now, because of Jay Crowder and the fact that the Suns are starting Cam Johnson and Jay Crowder would be coming off the bench, I'm staggering to say this, but I love what I saw so much out of Jock Landell that I think there's something there. (laughs) And I think I'll take this guy going forward because I think he does more. And he's obviously a very smart guy as well. You watch him on the defensive end of the floor and the way he competes. He can anticipate and does anticipate. This guy, there's something there where the Phoenix Suns may have struck gold. Yeah, this is potentially one of those things where it's sort of like campaign, right? Monty saw something. Okay, this is this guy's going to fit what we're doing. He obviously knew campaign from their time at Oklahoma City, and they seem to be the team that can get the most out of Jock Landale. I could not help but think last night, Wolf, in that game, what would adding Jay Crowder to that third quarter have done when there were seven technical fouls? I feel confident there would have been at least eight technical fouls if Jay Crowder was on this team, and he may have set off about three or four more. It was interesting, though, Chris Haynes said that Jay Crowder was like, no, this narrative that I don't want to be here because I'm not starting, that's not true. Yeah, that's okay. So, so once then again, what the is plot it? thickens, doesn't it? Because we've been they saying... They didn't want him around. Well, we've been that's, saying this. It doesn't make sense that Jay Crowder... And we don't know what it is, but it doesn't make sense that he would just be like, oh, I'm not going to start. I'm only going to play 23 minutes as opposed to 26. I'm out. Like that, that does yeah. not, that has never from day one yeah. added up because it's not like you get to go start for the Bucks and play 35 minutes a game. Okay, so what have we speculated on? We have talked about the fact that maybe Jay Crowder's just got a very intense personality where suddenly you've got a guy that is trying to blossom, Camp Johnson. You've got a guy that is trying to step into a, a new role as a starter on this team, Camp Johnson. And can't Cam Johnson be everything you want him to be when there's this domineering personality inside the locker room that he'd be replacing? And maybe that doesn't give him the opportunity to actually grow. See, I would have thought if you just asked that question, you know, in February of last season, if you said, okay, next year they're going to make Cam the starter, do you think he'll be able to do that with Jay Crowder here? I'd have been like, yeah, why, yeah, why not? Totally. Totally. Why do I keep saying it? <laughs> totally. I don't know, but I keep saying it when you keep saying it. Okay. Uh, clearly, something is up, though, and maybe the Suns don't feel that way. Right? I mean, I think it's probably closer to what you just said. We, it's, we're so invested in Cam Johnson taking the next step. Yes. And maybe they have such different personalities, and I'm sure it's a bunch of things. I'm sure it's we're not going to pay Jay beyond this year, and Jay wants to get paid beyond this year. I'm sure that's part of it. I'm sure Jay's like, okay, maybe I would like to start. I'm sure that's part of it. But I'm sure maybe what you're saying is part of it, that they weren't sure that was the best environment, I guess. It, do, it still doesn't totally add up to me, to be honest. 
And Jay Crowder, through Chris Haynes, made it sound like he's going to clear things up at some point, although I don't know when that some point is. Here's the one thing we do know. Jock Landell is not going to stunt the growth of Cam Johnson. No. And I like that. This is turning into a Jock Landale show right here. Coming up next, we're going to take you through the top stories of the day with Wolf and Down Your Lunch. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.